Who's your best friend? Tiger Woods. He just uh, Tiger doesn't know it yet, but we are best friends. <laughs> but we just haven't been able to like connect that way yet. But we'll get there. Okay, that's that's fine, y'all. You just you just need to you need to I, meet cute. That's what you need. Right. Once I once he sees me and I see him, it's like love at first sight. This is the Drop Podcast, where we talk golfing in the Garden State. I'm Mike Poro, and this is Ryan Kulot. And this episode is presented by the Law Office of Mallon and Tranger. Ho, ho, ho. What's up, everyone? This is our post-Christmas episode. Hope everyone had a great, great holiday. Celebrating Hanukkah. Christmas season is kind of in that gray area of like post-Christmas, but you don't really want to take take stuff down pre-New Year's yet. Hope everyone was was well-behaved, got everything they wanted for Christmas. We are going to kind of give you, be a little shorter this episode. What we want to do is we want to go through our 2022 recap, kind of talk a little bit about 2023, and then we're going to send you to an interview we did with Jack Wall, which if you don't know who Jack Wall is, you got to get on the Jack Wall bandwagon. Jack is a collegiate golfer at Texas Tech. Uh, he's one of the top collegiate golfers in the country. He has such a bright future in golf, uh, and, and his his star is only going to keep shining brighter. So uh, definitely something you want to you want to listen to and get into. Uh, he does an awesome job. Just a, just a good good college dude. It was funny seeing him in his dorm room, just like you know, chatting it up with us. But um, really fortunate that we had Jack on to chat with. So definitely worth sticking around for. And right too. Before we get started, I do want to congratulate the winner of our first ever giveaway. You know, Monday night it ended at eleven fifty nine. So Tuesday. I got the wheel out, put all 75 entries. We had 75 people that were in that in that wheel, which, listen, I give the audience a lot of credit. We appreciate it. Um, so everybody's name went in there. And I double and triple checked it, make sure everything was accurate. We spun the wheel, and congrats goes out to Christian Cranston. Um, he's the, He was the winner. I actually have dropped it off to him, gave it to him, um, and, and he was stoked. And it was it was funny because the more I, I spoke to Christian, I found out that he's actually a caddy at Matita Conk. And it was fitting that it actually went to somebody who works there. Um, he's a school teacher in Tom's River. Um, so listen, congrats goes out to him. And again, a huge, huge thank you to Country Club Editions for, for donating that that piece of artwork because clearly without them we wouldn't have been able to do that so i just wanted to toss that in there real quick so um everybody knew again it's on the instagram page you could check it out the wheel um we spun it once and went and went with it that was it the finale country club editions was absolutely uh, like that was that was great they did such good work all their other stuff guys if you have not gone to their website or checked out their stuff they do such awesome work this piece of artwork was was amazing congratulations to christian cranston for for winning that that's you know that's like wholesome to me like i like that he you know i have no idea who that guy is he's he's you know some joe schmo in our in our you know tags and and all that kind of stuff good for him for winning it i like that it went to someone who 
who works there, that's going to be more meaningful to him. I, I really, that, that's really cool. Good for him. As Mike said, you, we, we posted the winner on our Instagram story in the wheel. You can find us on Instagram and on Twitter, both the same handle, at the drop underscore pod. You can see all of our content on YouTube at the drop podcast. And you can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Pods, also the drop podcast. Like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Listen and follow along. All right, Mike. Like I said, I want to do just just some recaps. Uh, I think that's where I want to start, right? You want to go recaps first? You want to or you want to preview twenty twenty? Works for me. No, let's, yeah, let's let's recap before we look ahead. All right. So I got a couple questions. What was the what was your favorite course you played in twenty twenty two? Good question. Um, right. I had to pull up my gin. Man, we were uh, we were we were fortunate. We were fortunate to play a lot of good tracks not only together but even before we started this adventure and as i pull up my gin i'm just quickly scrolling through it um and and i think where we've been able to play more so lately is is stood out you know but i I guess my number one spot i mean to your point for that i I hate having a recency bias like we have been you just i know some great experiences, but I don't want to have that recency bias. Right. So I guess about. if like, you're asking me, if you're asking me like overall experience and, and I think about where I've played, um, I think qualifying for the New Jersey State Open and getting the opportunity to play two rounds at the Ridge at Backbrook have to be my number one because not only was the golf course spectacular, but I think qualifying and playing in an event like that where every shot matters like you're talking the best of the best of this in the state and, and just seeing those guys on that stage in that arena like i'm just a little guy that just wants to bunt the ball around and have fun and, and compete a little bit and to be able to dabble with those guys like i on a course like that like that was amazing and i, and I guess i'd have to put that number one um, mainly because I'd never set, set foot on that place before. I never even knew where it was. I've heard of it, but never experienced it. So I would say that had to be definitely my number one spot in terms of like where I played this year. But I mean, there's, there's a close other ones. How many Hill was so, right, how many Hill was right behind it when you and I played there? Right. That, and, and that's, that's the, uh, I kind of want to hold off. You know, I'm going to jump into how many Hill, I guess. Mike, before I get to Hominy Hill, the the Ridge, I, I totally get. That course is spectacular. And, and like you said, that's an experience. Like you qualified for something. You were, I mean, I'd argue you don't bunt the ball around like you, like you claim you do. But you're, you know, that is to qualify for a state tournament like that with the group of people who are competing is something not to be scoffed at. And that is, that's a, a great experience that you were able to have. I appreciate that. Uh, I think that that falls under the experience of 2022 category, which I also yeah. would say, it, you could be the same, but I, I wanted to ask you your best golf experience, your best golf course you played, uh, and then your, like something you're thankful for. And, and I'm going to kind of jump now to, you mentioned Hominy Hill, and that's something that I'm thankful for. It, 
this podcast has been awesome. I, I really have enjoyed chatting it up with you. I know some people, I, I don't know if anyone knows this, Mike and I aren't like long, long-time friends. Uh, we've known each other for 15, 16, 17 years. Mike and I played in the same conference for high school sports, so I vaguely remember his name. I, I remember him uh, ha- having some great games and, and being on the front page of the paper and you know, Mike was a senior, I was a sophomore, and then, and then we got into teaching and coaching and, and, again, just known each other for a while, but we're not best friends that are just, you know, we're two guys that are super passionate about this, and, and uh, this podcast and being able to play that round of golf with you at Hominy Hill and getting this, getting this off from that, from that round has been something that I really, truly, Mike, from the bottom of my heart, I, I know sometimes we go at it and via text, but I do really appreciate this. This has been awesome for, for me personally. I think for us, this has been amazing, and I think that I hope that the people like it, and I really do. Uh, that would be, a, I would say, that would be a round that I am thankful for. Yeah, listen, if you, if, if you don't approach me with this idea, this podcast isn't 12 episodes in, 900 followers in on Instagram, over 400 subscribers in on YouTube. Like, that doesn't exist if, if you don't approach me with that idea. And, and like I said to you that day, like, let me sit on it because I don't know if it's something that can really, you know, have any legs in it. And, and clearly it does. And there's no doubt if you ask me, like, what round I'm more thankful for, there's no doubt, like, being here, being able to talk shop, with you it's been fun and and like anything it's never all roses it's never a perfect everything's a straight uphill you know climb but we ride the roller coaster just like anybody do we're two different people have different ideas at times but the end result is that we find a common ground and and that's very important because that's how things operate it's not always going to be your way or my way but there's no doubt when you look back at it like that that round has got us to the point where we are today, and you now it's it's fun to see where this thing ends up. No, no doubt there, no doubt there. And, and I, again, I do think that we see each other. You know, we make a good team. I think, I think from both of that, we got a good yin and yang thing going on, and and for sure, I'm thankful for that. Yeah, you're calm, and I'm the fucking maniac. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's well put. All right, right. So obviously. You heard my, not only my experience, you know, my favorite course as well, because I think those got tied hand in hand. And, and clearly we both agree on in terms of where we're thankful for. But if I were to flip the question and ask you, like, give me your favorite course and and your favorite experience from, from the 2022 season, where are you going? Um, I, I'm going to, to two places, honestly. And I know, I know this is going to seem recency biased, but I... I loved our experience at Little Mill with with Meet and Troy, and I thought that was just like that was that was an incredible day with a guy who's a stud golfer and plays super competitive, high level competition. To be able to see the things that he's able to do with the golf ball and the experience of like seeing a course that's just uh, like as as Troy said, it's just a it's a golfers golf club they don't do a lot of like there's not a lot of frills outside of like you know it's not a super fancy dining room or anything like that that's something for me that's 
that experience and and again the experience with you with Troy um that was that was really a lot of fun um and then I'd add this anytime you can play 27 holes as opposed to 18 I think that's also good as well so for me that was that was probably the best golf experience I had this year in New Jersey um the other one that I that I would also put, and the only reason I put Little Mill ahead of it, going up, I went up to Rutgers this year, and and I played up at the at the Rutgers golf course. I don't know if you've ever done that, Mike. I have not. Never been up there. It's from what I understand, and I totally could be way off base with this, but from what I understand, the seniors in the in the golf course management program at Rutgers divide up the course by holes and each of them take two three four holes or whatever it is and it's their holes to be the superintendent on and that's their like senior thesis quote unquote i like Um, that uh, can i tell you i i hope that that's true i really do and even if it's not true i'm gonna believe it anyway because i I love that concept so much. And to be fair, when I went up there, you can tell that like the first, second, and third hole were really kept pretty immaculately. Like the the bunkers were cut nicely. There wasn't like sand coming in and out of the bunker. There wasn't like like it was mowed properly. There were certain things like it was the first three holes really were done nice. And not to say that others weren't, but I can also take a stretch of three holes that looked like, Ooh, this is like, this needs some work or this is overgrown or, and and I just, I hope that that's nice. The course was, the course was nice. If you live in New Jersey, go play Rutgers, go play the Rutgers university course as a New Jersey golfer. You got to play it once, but uh, it's not, for me, it's not something I, I am clamoring to go back to again. I'll go back and play with you. I know you haven't been there. That like, but it's not something where like everybody should be dying to get there. It was. It, it's a must for New Jersey golf, but it's not something that I that I would say is super special. And you know, it's not like you went and played Baltusrol or anything like that. It's a nice golf course. I like the to me. And again, I hope that's true. I, I like that sentiment of like seeing the seniors do their work, and I I feel like you can kind of see that in different parts of it. But I, I, I thought that was a nice experience for me, too. To, the, to your point, the next question, I got to play 18 holes at Hollywood this year, and that was the nicest course that I, that I played this year. Um, I've played Hollywood a, a, a few other times, but I've never played all 18. And getting to play all 18, um, it, was, it, was, it is beautiful. I mean, the, the front nine is is great but the back nine's even better Uh, it's the character comes out in the back there's there's more bunkers there's more uh, i don't know i don't know how else to explain the the back is is, the the front is great i don't want to make it seem like it's a dog track and then wonderful it's front nine's beautiful i I know you know that the back nine's better it's it just is And, and a couple years ago they did a restoration they put I think they put 207 bunkers in. I think that's what they that's what they did. They hosted the Senior Women's US Open. I want to say back in like 17 or 16, something like that. And and right before that, they did a a huge uh restoration of of like bunkers and stuff. And then even since then, they redid uh last time we talked about it, the 17th hole, putting that like berm in with the 
with the tunnel through it, like that, that kind of stuff. I, I love it. That was a, that was the best course I played this year. And, and I don't think that that's close. Yeah, I don't think I've gotten 18 out at Hollywood since probably 2019. Might have been the last time that I got 18 out there. Um, but obviously, I, I know the front nine extremely well. The back nine would take me some time just to think about in terms of the holes. Um, but I can I can vividly tell you the front, and there's no doubt that's a that's a great golf course. Right, and for, again, for like you said, for someone who knows the front so well. Trust me when I say the, the back has more character. Like it, it's, 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 there's more stuff going on. The front is beautiful, but it's, it's, it's a little like the first hole, everything's right in front of you. Second hole, everything's right in front of you. Third hole, everything, you can see everything. The fourth hole is that par three we talked about. Um, five, you got a little dog leg left, which brings in something. Six, everything's in front of you. Seven, everything's in front of you. Eight, everything's in front of you. Nine, everything's in front of you. And, and then 10, it's in front of you, but again, you start bringing in more character. Character is the only thing I can, I can say to describe it. That, that's really it. Chasing Aces was launched with the idea that everybody is welcome on the golf course. They believe in building a community through their shared love of the game. Golf comes with pressure and expectations, and that includes what you wear. Chasing Aces has hats, performance polos and t-shirts that keep you looking sharp from the clubhouse to the tee box so take the pressure off we're all here to have a good time walking the fairway and chasing aces means you see every hole as a golden opportunity visit chasingacesgolf.com and find them on instagram at chasingacesgolf even the best are chasing aces So what, so Mike, now after our recap here, what are your, where do you want to play? What is your, uh, and I, how do we want to break this down? What is your. Give me a public and a private. In 2023, if I, if you're, if you're, if you're, so I'll start it. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, right, the forecast 2023, obviously 2022 has been a huge success and specifically for us. The last three months have been nothing but a home run. But let's, if we were to forecast what the future holds, and you got an opportunity to play one private and one public golf course in the state of New Jersey in the calendar year of 2023, where are you going? So I think that's a little bit of a loaded question, only because, like, obviously. You can I'd only like give me one and one. One and one. Well, gonna, no more. I'm, I'm, I'm not there. giving you A and not giving you B, <laughs> not giving you C and D and E. You get an, you get one and one. I think, again, it being loaded because obviously I'd love to go play Pine Valley or Baltusrol, Liberty, Bayonne, like uh, Plainfield. But for me, those aren't realistic. Those aren't something that I'm like. I don't know someone who's a member and like they just haven't invited me yet. That's not something that I can just like. That's like plausible or close if it happens don't get me wrong would absolutely love it but it, it it's not like i know somebody who's there and it's an easy get you know what i mean so i'm going to give you my private one first <laughs> my my private is manasquan i want to get on manasquan and i have oh here we go <laughs> no bias or anything i have i'm biased but 
I have, I think I have a little bit of a connection to get on there. Uh, I, I think maybe you might be able to make a call. The interview we did with Chris, Chris was, like I said, he was super generous to, to invite us out. So obviously that's an invitation that I'd like to take up. But I've never really experienced Manasquan River as a country club. I've been there. I've played the Riverside holes. Not all of them, but I've played six or seven of them probably collectively in, in kind of the thing that I've been to two or three times it's just um it's different experience when you go in and you drop your bag and you check in and there's going to be uh you know a caddy or they're going to load you up on a cart and you're going to be with people you get a different experience when you see something that way as opposed to a uh you know a short fundraising kind of you know you're not going to play everything so uh so for me, that's one that's kind of been like teased at me, and and I know I've sent you that text over the over the years, and and uh, again with Chris with you, that's definitely one never got those texts. Yeah, yeah, that's what he claims. Um, that's one that I, I definitely <laughs> would like to. Uh, I'd like to get the, I'd like to get an experience there. You know what I mean? Like, a, see the whole the whole shebang go into the pro shop which i've never been in and you talked about it being three floors like i i've never been inside anywhere like that that's for me that's something i would like to i would like to see as far as the public you're hamstringing me with one because there's two that i want to get now there's more pub privates see i know i knew that's i knew that's what we were going to get with you you're going to give me the one a the b the c and before (laughs) you know we're at z and we're three hours into this podcast i'm giving you one you get one don't even give me a one a i want one so and it better be public it's public i've heard wonderful things about nishanik and I'm hesitant to say that because I've played 18 there, but it's 27, and I'd like to see the all 27 there. I'd like to see uh, the whole, like all that they have to offer. Uh, I also, at the time that I went, the pro shop, do you know how many polos they had in the pro shop when I went there? 37. Zero. There was Wow. It looked like the Grinch had just been through there. I'm telling you, it was like a barren wasteland, and it was just at the time of like, I don't want to say it was during COVID, but it was like, maybe it was post-COVID, but not really like, like the whole shipping thing was off, and it was just like a, the the only thing they had, they had some golf balls, and by, by some, I mean like, they didn't even, like if you wanted to get like, they were rationing, if you wanted a sleeve of Pro-Vs, they'd only give you a sleeve. They wouldn't give you, like, a box of Pro-Vs. Like, they were rationing everything. So, uh, I I kind of would like to see that place kind of in all its glory. And, and I feel like we're kind of at a place now where that can happen this coming year in 2023. But but um, there's definitely some others. I know there's there's one that you and I have talked about. I, I But Deshanik is, is one that I definitely want to go see this year. And just to piggyback you off, Nick Shannick, for the audience, this year in New Jersey, the New Jersey State Golf Association is having their public links championship. So if you qualify at one of their events, at one of their qualifiers, the championship itself is going to be this year at Nishanik Valley. See, and, and right there, they have to have more than one polo in the, in the pro shop then. So 
Um, so for me, that those are my two. I, I'd I'd like to. Those are my two that are realistic. You know what I mean? Like I would I would really like to get on see all twenty seven at Nishanik and I, and uh, I'd like to get that experience at Manasquan for sure. Those are those are going to be my two. And and maybe that's not shooting high enough because there are others for me. But those are ones that I think are the most attainable for me this year. What? Talk yeah. To well. Yeah, so if you're asking I'm, me the same question, I, I'm, I'm a dreamer. To. Yeah, tell me. I'm I, I'm a dreamer. So to me, I'm looking. I'm going to the moon. If I, I, you know, like I, I look at both those questions as like, wow, that's it's it's a great question. But for me, on the public side, like I know you and I, like you said, brought this up. Is Skyway's my my probably my number one. And I know it's only nine holes, and people are gonna be like, well, I thought you always want to play eighteen, and and you, I understand that. Two balls are played twice. I've, yeah, I, I, I have never heard a bad thing about Skyway. The views alone I've heard are spectacular. The course always seems to be in great shape. I just want to, I think for some reason, I just got this weird feeling. Like, I just want to go experience that place. I want to carry my own bag for nine holes and take a million pictures and play a great golf course. And if that means I play it twice, so I got 18 holes in, then so be it. But... To me, I think that's got to be my number one public golf course, that it's accessible. And then I'd love to rate it afterwards using our scale. Like, I think that's a great, great little spot for us to make a day of and go up there and and play. Um, So to me, on the public side, it's Skyway. Mike, you... You, you and I know, we've both talked about this. I would, I'm 100% in on Skyway. That was my, when, when you were saying one, I was like, ooh, but that's, like I got 1A and 1B. That's, that's 1A or 1B, and Nishanik is 1A and 1B for me. So the, the, for all and the I'll be honest with you, the people at Skyway, the people at Skyway have been super kind to us. They, they've DM'd us and said, you're more than welcome to come up to the golf course, check it out, play it, review, rate it. Um, and I told them, I said, come the springtime, you know, my buddy and I will definitely be taking you up on that because it's something that we both want to experience. So um, they've been kind enough in that respect. And I guess on the private side, if it, again, I'm a dreamer. I, I, I have a hard time not thinking like, wow, let me get on there. And, and I've always said like Bayonne is a spot that I would die to get on. Like I understand it's expensive as, as a guest. And, I, and I, listen, to me, that's a spot that, I would dig deep into the bank to go be someone's guest to go experience it. Um, like you, I don't have any connections to Bayonne. I know nobody that's there. I know people that have been fortunate to play there, and I don't know anybody that comes back saying a negative thing. I don't know anybody that comes back that doesn't have phenomenal pictures or phenomenal things to say about that place. So to me, like a bucket list, dreamer, number one, like, God, if I could find a way to get on there, like Bayonne would be my number one. Um, so I'll shoot for the stars and say that and knock on wood. If there's a person in the audience that's listening that wants to be kind enough to take Ryan and I up there, by all means, we will drop what we're doing. <laughs> we will come meet you there and we will pay our own way. For sure. Just get us in the door. Uh, that's, that, that would be amazing. Yeah, so that was gonna be my one and one, my one and one in terms of public and private for twenty twenty three. Mike, I think we got a, I think we got a pretty good list there of, of places that we want to play in twenty twenty three. Hopefully, we could be playing them together. Hopefully, we can uh, even maybe expand that list a little bit. But 
But as, as Mike said, if you guys have a place that is awesome and want us to come there, or it doesn't even need to be awesome, you could just want us to bring us there, slide into the DMs. DMs are open for us. Just, uh, just let us know. Uh, Mike, the, the last kind of thing everybody does New Year's resolutions or goals or whatever you want to call it, um, what are your, what are, what's your New Year's goal? Like, what's something you want to attain in 2023, um, whether, again, like, do you want to play better? You want to break 70? You want to have a scoring average of something? What's, what is something there for 2023 that you, that you want? Um, it's a good question. I, I think for me, when I look at, like, on the competitive side of playing golf, since COVID, I've, I've dabbled more. I like it more. It, it kind of fuels my competitive side. And I think, you know, two years ago, being able to qualify for the New Jersey State Public Links, then this past year qualifying for the New Jersey State Open. Like, I think the more that I play with a purpose, I would love to qualify again for one of their championships, the New Jersey State Golf Associations. I mean, I don't, it doesn't matter to me really what it is. I always say, like, just get in one of them. Um so to me, like I'll qualify for all of them just or, or I'll try to qualify for all of them just like I did this year, whether it's the four ball, whether it's a state am, whether it's a state open, whether it's the public links, like I'm all about trying to go play on the biggest stage with those guys because you know, there is that competitive nature that still burns inside that wants to see like, let me see what I'm like under pressure, under the gun. Can you make that three footer? Um, when it matters. Because listen, we all knock those putts away when we play with our buddies, but now you got to make it because it counts as your score because it's ball and hole. Like, it's a different animal. So I think to me, like, again, one of the goals I guess I would look at for 2023 is to qualify for one of them because to me, I look at them as like the majors. You know, for, I know you got the Masters and the PGA and the US and the British Opens. Like, I get that for those guys. But for someone like me, like, I look at them like the majors. So when I see big time names like Nick Mova and, and Ryan Hager and Chris Dimmick and all these different guys at these events, I'm like, wow, okay, I'm on the big stage with the big boys. Like those are the things that I think would try to fuel my fire a little bit. Yeah. I, again, that's at a stage that I'm certainly not at. And I, and I definitely understand like the competitive juices. I think as, as if you've ever grown up an athlete or, or even, played high level it's probably more than just high school sports because i know some people that play high school sports but they're they you know that competitive drive wasn't there if you're playing high level or getting to the collegiate level you definitely have those competitive juices going and that's and that's something that like i don't think that goes away you know um like i would say for me that that like tangible goal i think and and i'm I'm worried it's not attainable for this year only because it's been super recent that I want to be ball and hole. But my low handicap for this year was a 10-3, and I ended the season at an 11-7. And I I really want to get back to single digits. It, it's only been one time in my golfing golfing life. I got to a 9.8 once. And I know that rounds up to a 10, but that's still a single-digit handicap for me. And I think that that's, that's a goal of mine that I want, to, I want to attain. And I've honestly, I've put some things together that I think i got to make more putts. I, I bought a putting aid that Dave Peltz 
uh, putting tool. Um, I want to. That's where I want to get back to, and I want to get. I want to uh, give this a good, a good go at getting into the single digits. I don't think that that means like I'm going to be a five handicap, but I would. I would like to. I'd like to get under ten at some point in 2023. And and honestly, if I were to go even further, I'd like to be a single digit handicap for like I'd like to say that I was a single digit handicap for 2023. Not I shot a bunch of good rounds and then I started working my way back or I had enough to get me to like I got to a 9-9 and then the next round it went up to a 10-1. You know what I mean? Like I'd like to I'd like to get to that point. That's kind of where I'd where I'd like to get to. You'll get there. Good things happen when you think good things. Yeah, good things happen to good people. There you go. So, guys, that's kind of our our ending. You know, that's kind of our wrap up for 2022, our 2023 year in review with New Year's uh, coming ahead of time. Everyone, be safe. Uh, enjoy. It is a fun time of year. Certainly, enjoy yourselves. Um, give someone you love a hug. Say thank you to somebody. Um, you know, enjoy this time of year uh, as we're ending 2022 and flipping the calendar to 2023. Uh, we're going to send you now to an interview that we did with Jack Wall. Uh, as I said at the beginning of the pod, Jack, his interview is just great. Jack is, uh, I believe Jack is a top 150 golfer in the world right now. He plays collegiately at Texas Tech, so he's one of the top collegiate golfers in the country. A a must listen. He does a great job. It's wonderful to chat with him. So we're going to send you to that interview right now. Happy New Year, everyone. Tom Mallon and Randy Tranger are board certified trial attorneys who share more than 40 years of legal experience. They specialize in personal injury matters, workers' compensation cases, and criminal and municipal defense. As certified trial attorneys, they have recovered millions of dollars on behalf of people injured in accidents and employees injured at work. They have offices conveniently located in Freehold and Point Pleasant. For skilled and personalized legal representation, call Mallon and Tranger at 732-780-0230 or check out their website at tmallonlaw.com. Not only are they good people, they're good golfers too. Hey everyone. Before we send you to Jack's interview, we just wanted to let you know that we recorded with Jack just before Thanksgiving, but due to scheduling conflicts and other unforeseen challenges, it took us a little while to put it out. So we're getting it out now. Hope you enjoy it. What's up, Jack? How are you? Good. How you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for jumping on. Jack, what's going on? Not too much. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. I appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. I got, I got more than enough time. <laughs> whoa, 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 hold on. College kid on a Saturday night. You can't possibly have time. Eh, I not. I made, I made, I scheduled it for tonight. Tonight oh, was okay. perfect for it. <laughs> did, some, did some budgeting in there, time management. There you go. a boy. Every once in a while, I get it right. Sure, you know. <laughs> He's not, he's not a freshman at CBA anymore, right? <laughs> All right, so we'd like to introduce our next guest here. A lot of people in New Jersey may be very familiar with this, with this guest. Um, not only a, a phenomenal high school golfer, but a phenomenal amateur and collegiate golfer as well. Our guest tonight is Jack Wall. Before I 
before we get going here, I'm going to go through a little bit of a, a bio of Jack and some of the unbelievable accomplishments that, you know, he's been able to, to, you know, more or less achieve. So Jack played high school golf at, at Christian Brothers Academy in Lincroft, New Jersey. He's only the second New Jersey golfer to win the career slam in high school golf, which means he won not only the Monmouth County tournament, the Shore Conference tournament, the state sectional, but he was also the overall tournament champion. Champion. He also was, while in high school, was the runner-up in the 2018 Med Open as an amateur. He qualified for the 2016 USGA Junior Championships. And when he graduated high school, he was the top-ranked player out of, out of the state of New Jersey. So just as a high school golfer, you can see that, you know, Jack's, you know, tra trajectory was, it was a very good one. When Jack left CBA, he headed to the university of South Carolina where he was there for, for three years. And I, and I probably could ramble on about just his statistics alone, but I, I'm going to go through just strictly his scoring average as, as a three-year golfer at the university of South Carolina. So as a freshman, you know, he had an impressive scoring average and obviously five tournaments because of the shortened season with COVID, you know, he averages 71.9. That's as a freshman, right? We can't even do that sometimes for 18, for 18, for nine holes. So no, um, for sure. So, yeah, <laughs> sophomore year. Oh, Mike, started, real quick, Jack, was that, uh, those five tournaments, were they the fall? And then you guys yes. paused and then couldn't yes. get started again because of COVID. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that was the fall. So then as a sophomore, Jack ended up playing in nine of his team's 10 events, posting a 73.4 average. Not only in his sophomore year did he post that average, but he did have a collegiate victory winning the 2020 Orlando International Amateur. His junior year, probably the best season of his three years at, South, at the University of South Carolina, where he averages 70.4. And then obviously from what I read that his season ended early at the SEC championships because of a wrist injury. Jack then transferred to Texas Tech University, where I did see this fall. They just won the Big 12 match play title, which just happened recently. And from what I read, I did see Jack started things off getting a huge 4-3 and three victory in that championship match. So, you know, Jack, I want to thank you for, for coming on. Um, I know, like Ryan said at the top, you know, a college kid giving us some time on a Saturday night at 7 o'clock is – it's not something I thought we'd be able to get you to do, but you know, we're, we're fortunate and definitely appreciative of that. So uh, I, I do appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So, you know, obviously we have a little history in terms of, you know, some of the places that you've been and, and knowing your family and, and Manasquan river and whatnot. So I, I guess more or less, Tell us a little bit of your journey as a kid who grew up on the golf course at Manasquan River, you know, then taking it to CBA where you had an unbelievable high school golf career, you know, to South Carolina and then and then to Texas Tech and, and kind of, you know, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I uh, was very fortunate, uh, you know, growing up on the 11th tee at Manasquan River and, uh, you know, would go out three o'clock that was when juniors were allowed to go out or whatever and uh so every day at three o'clock would head out and play as many holes as I could and then having three older brothers you know we'd go out and be competitive as brothers are uh maybe too much so at at certain points I mean don't want to highlight any of those but 
it, it got rowdy every once in a while. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, I was doing that for my whole entire life, pretty much. That's, that's how it started. And then went to CBA and played golf there. So much fun. Miss it every day. Cause I mean, high school golf is, I mean, just it's competitive, but you also, it's just fun to do every single day with your teammates. And I mean, it was a blast. And then, uh, yeah, so I went through high school, loved every second of it, went to South Carolina and had some had some pretty good scores there, some good results. And then now I'm in Texas Tech. So long journey, but lo- love it where I am now. So I, I, I guess I guess the question is, is obviously as a kid growing up on Manasquan River, um, you know, I was kind of in a similar boat to that respect. I, I wasn't as fortunate to live on the 11th tee um, and then just go bounce and play. But but like you as a as a competitive high school kid, you know, opportunities were presented that that place would allow you to do that. And, you know, tell us a little bit about how much like that place means to you um, and, and really just like some of the memories that you have really as a kid growing up on that golf course. Yeah, it was I mean, Manisquan has played a huge role in, you know, my entire career as a golfer and um, the support behind the memberships. Incredible. Um, you know, they're always asking how I'm doing and, you know, catching up with a lot of members when I come home from school is, is a lot of fun. And it's been nothing but, you know, great support, which I'm so thankful for. Um, and then Manisquan as a golf course is is unbelievable. I mean, it tests every club in your bag. You got to have a good short game. Greens can get pretty crazy. And uh, yeah, I would I mean, and you get the two aspects of the hills and the and then the riverside, the, the flat link style. And uh, yeah, you got to have every part of your game on point to uh, to play well. So very thankful. And it, it helped a lot. I'm sure that that uh, like being tested like that from a, a certain young age. And, and if I'm not mistaken, you're the youngest of your brothers, right? Yeah, I'm the youngest of four. So so having older brothers and trying to keep up with them, plus playing a super, you know, super difficult course is going to is going to hone the skills in for sure. Uh, Jack, I, I want to go back to something you said just a second ago. I, I want to talk about these on-course fights that you and your brothers would have. Let, let's, I, I demand details right now. <laughs> we're we're going to kick, we're going to kick right off with that. All right. Perfect. Um, <laughs> Is there anything like me and my brothers, uh, not on a golf course, but you know, on a, you know, in the driveway basketball got super competitive between me and my two younger brothers. So. I mean, I can't remember anything specific, but I know the gist of everything. And it was, I mean, just crazy because whoever won would always throw it in everybody else's face. And uh, the bragging rights were definitely, you know, used. And uh, we didn't, whoever lost, we didn't like it. And, uh, you know, I remember some getting home and having dinner and we're just arguing, 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 and we're, my parents are sitting there. They made dinner and everything, and we're just complaining that we lost or somebody had got a lucky bounce on the fourth hole. That was the difference between everything. And I mean, it was it was crazy. And I, you know, I miss it being at being at school now. I I wish that I could go back home and you know have a little more of that. But it was definitely in the moment. It was crazy. Do, do you get to play much with your brothers these days, or like when you come back? And is that is that still? Uh... Does that still yeah, happen? We try to make it work, you know, with, with their work schedules, they work so much and 
you know, I, I only have when I come home like this, well, I'll come home for Thanksgiving all of a week. And, uh, you know, most of my time is in the winter. So who knows if they want to even, you know, after a long work week, they're like, I'm not playing in 40 degree weather. <laughs> not today. So um, but we try to get, I actually have my brother, Ethan, call me yesterday. He's like, Hey, let's, uh, let's try to set something up for the Sunday you get back. I'm like, yep, I'm, I'm in, let's do it. So maybe <laughs> That's cool. you're, little... good, you're a good Go sport ahead. to, uh, be in Texas weather most of the year and then come up to New Jersey Thanksgiving and want to still get out. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, Texas and New Jersey weather is a little different, but yeah, you know, so Jack, I think, I think going back to like the, the, the brotherly rivalry, you know, the, the little like, you know, and, and knowing, you know, your family and, and your dad's a phenomenal golfer, your uncle is a phenomenal golfer. So I think that like family competitiveness is something that, you know, carries a lot of weight. And I know sometimes it may not always, you know, show in terms of a score, but like being a competitor and, you know, when you put yourself like in that arena, there's no doubt that those type of family rivalries prepare you for high school, prepare you for, you know, the college level, especially on the level you're at, because, you know, some of us and, and some people may, you know, like playing division three, but like division two, you're, you're on a big stage. Like you're in a primetime conference and now you're on the second one. Like tell us a little bit about what you think those rivalries and how they've helped you. I mean, I can only imagine like, dad not giving you the three footer that your buddy's normally knocking it away for you. Now you're sitting over there. You're like, dad, am I really putting this three footer? Like, you know, kind of, do you know who I am? Like, <laughs> I think you have to, that has to help in terms of when you compete, does it not? Yeah. I think just getting the reps of, you know, being competitive helps a lot. I mean, it seems like when I was growing up, we were every day we were competitive. So, the, I mean, just getting those reps of, you know, being competitive every day, every week, I mean, it only it only helps because, I mean, especially playing match play with my brother, Jerry. I mean, I've never seen anybody like him with his golf game. He can't hit it. He can't get it off the tee. And I, he would, you know, he would say that, too. But he has probably the best short game I have ever seen. So when you're playing match play with him and you're both super competitive and he's hitting it in the trees and, you know, getting it around the green, you're like, all right, he, I just need to make par. He's not he's not in the hole. And then all of a sudden he hits an unbelievable chip to like three feet. And you're like, you gotta be kidding me. So it definitely helps a lot. Cause honestly, a lot of college golfers are, are similar. Um, it's just, everybody's short games are incredible. And you just, you always have to count on them hitting a really good shot and making, making a clutch putt and that. So being competitive with, with Jerry, especially, you know, trained me well for, uh, for any type of situation I'm in high school and in college. And I, and I guess like, um, you know, so explain to some people that, that listen that, you know, may have think that like, Hey, listen, I'm a really good high school player and there's no doubt I should be recruited to the next level. And I should be a college golfer, you know, X, Y, or Z, whatever, whatever reason, like explain to the audience, like the, the, the difference when you went from like being a phenomenal golfer at CBA to now, you know, you're just you're really just a number. You're not the guy anymore. Like now you're just a number where everybody's just like you. So, you know, what was that transition like going from like CBA to, you know, university of South Carolina and out of Texas tech? Yeah, it is a huge change, you know, kind of being the the guy around CBA and 
in the state to, to being just, like you said, another number. I mean, I got hit really hard with that at South Carolina and, and you put more pressure on yourself to deliver and post good numbers. And, you know, the level of talent you see when you, when you step on the tee box as a freshman in a big college event is it daunting. And I remember that my first ever college event, I played with uh, Luke Schneiderjans, who is Ollie Schneiderjans' brother. And I don't know if Ollie ever won on the PJ tour, but uh, Luke was, I think, seventh in the country at that time. So I'm, I'm like first tee shot playing with one of the best golfers in the country. Like I'm, I could not stop my hands from shaking. I'm like, how am I supposed to make contact? Um, so that was really eye opening. And then you know, the transition from just normal co- or normal high school life to college life is, is crazy. And you got to be, you know, very good at time management, all that stuff. And uh, it's definitely a learning process. You definitely have to really, you know, be conscious of what you're doing and how you're spending your hours during the day and, you know, all of that. So it was definitely tough. So Jack, the decision to go to South Carolina, you know, I, I know that that's like a, uh, you know, obviously you had a great couple years there. What was the catalyst for the transfer to Texas Tech? Uh, it was mostly just like competitiveness and, uh, you know, a better schedule because the the PJ Tour University rankings, which came out a couple years ago, um, have kind of changed everything. And kids are transferring now that if that, you know, PJ Tour U wasn't a thing, they might not have. Um, because ultimately if you're playing a really good schedule, you, you have a lot more opportunity to move up the list or, you know, stay high, high up on the list, you know, if you are. Um, so that was a big part of it that I needed a, a better schedule to, you know, compete and hopefully boost my ranking a little more. Okay. Did the wrist injury play a role in it at all? Um, a little bit, not too much. Um, I kind of had an idea that I needed something, and you know, a little better. And Texas Tech is obviously, I think we have one of the, we have to have one of the top five schedules in the country this year, at least, um, if not top three. Um, right. So, so like going to the, I mean, going to the Big Twelve. You know, like I, I know, you know, Chris Goddard is a buddy of yours. You played high school golf against him and, and, and with him and, and, and the different tournaments and whatnot. And, and seeing a kid like him go from Rutgers to the big 12 in Oklahoma, and then you kind of found it that have any impact or did you talk to Chris at all about a decision like that? Like I obviously, you know, he's moved on to the PGA tour and playing, you know, actually playing really well this week at the corn Ferry tour. Like, like does a guy like that, do you lean on him for a piece of advice or things like that, or maybe just see what he has done? Like, wow, it's working. You know, I know Chris is competitive. I I've played with him before, like things like that. As what you would say, obviously not me, but like you in that respect. Yeah, he, he was huge, you know, in the whole process. Um, I talked to him just about kind of what the process was. Cause until you do it, you really don't know, you know, how it is. Um, with, you know, getting in the, the transfer portal, which is crazy, honestly. Um, so just kind of talking with him about how he did it and kind of the reasons that he went to Oklahoma and, you know, all of that kind of helped me out and everything. And he was always there if I needed to talk to him, which was great. Um, and Oklahoma was definitely a school that I was like, wow, they have a, you know, obviously their coach is phenomenal, one of the best in the country. And seeing what he did, I was like, I mean, 
who wouldn't want to go to Oklahoma yeah. at that point? Um, so he was huge in that aspect. And, you know, Oklahoma didn't work out, but it definitely helped me get to where I am now, which I'm extremely thankful for and extremely thankful for, you know, that friendship with Chris and him, you know, taking his time to, to speak with me, which, which really helped. That's good. That, I mean, that's a, it's a great friendship to have just, just in general. Um, For sure. It, it's like two, I mean, how many, how many high school golf teams can say they have a college golfer, let alone two that are, cause you were a no, sophomore when Chris is a senior. Yeah, we got two years together. Um, he graduated after my sophomore year. So, so that's like, <laughs> Both playing in the Big Twelve. I mean, I can't imagine there's many high schools in the country that that have that. Yeah, not not too many. Yeah, we were very fortunate to have the teams we did, and it was, you know, the best part about it was that we're, you know, we all had fun doing it with each other. Like we we had a blast playing high school matches. I mean, I I played with Brendan Hansen every single day for it seemed like four years. <laughs> so it was like, I mean, unbelievable friendship there, and playing every day with him is is hilarious because he's honestly one of the funniest guys I've ever met. And um, like I was saying, high school golf is just, you know, can't beat it. What do you think, like, in, as a team, I know you're, you're obviously speaking so highly of like a high school team. And, and I think the memories that you have in high school play a big role in that. Like when you think about like a team aspect in golf, like when you go from CBA to like South Carolina to Texas tech is, is that team camaraderie chemistry still present or is that something as you guys have gotten older like you kind of get you know focused on a one-way street like you see what you're trying to get accomplished and the team stuff doesn't matter as much or is that still prevalent when you guys get to your places college definitely there's a huge team aspect to it there's you i mean you're you're with these guys every single day for pretty much the whole year like you, you have a month where, you know, everybody goes home and then you're right back to it and practice playing every single day. So you have to be close with the guys you're on the team with. And um, especially this year has been a ton of fun um, with all my teammates. We all get along so well, you know, we're, we're competing and not just golf. We actually our our little team clubhouse we have at our facility. We got ping pong in there. So, I mean, you go over there and there's somebody playing ping pong. There's always a chip in you know, a chipping game going on. So, I mean, it's just so much fun spending time with these guys and I'm, it's a blast. So the team aspect is definitely there and you gotta, you gotta have a good team culture. And we have that here at Texas tech and, you know, we're just having fun. And at that point it's, you know, that's what really all that matters. If you're having fun, you're, the results will come. Yeah, for sure. Chris, how much did, or uh, sorry, Jack, how much did that, uh, I was thinking, Chris, because I, I just, I love that you guys all, um, like, not just great golfers, but, like, hanging out with each other and, and like, being good friends. Like, that's, I, I like, as a, as a coach, I enjoy seeing that, that my guys are not only good guys and they get together on the court, on the field, on the, you know, on the course, but they, they enjoy each other's company. But I was, I was going to ask, how much did that play into your decision to transfer to Texas Tech as opposed to, you know, all these big game schools, they all have a clubhouse, they all got a course. Like I'm sure once you get to a top notch um, facility, you know, I was, I was fortunate enough to see the one at Clemson and like how not every great golfer in the country doesn't go to Clemson with that facility. I, I don't know. So like when they're all kind of the same, 
is did that play the most like how well you got along with the guys in your in your visit or is there anything else that kind of like yes that did but it was more this like what's the like where did that stand in your decision actually i mean i didn't know anybody on the team before the first day at school um in august so i didn't really know what to expect and you know i was late to the transfer portal in june or what whatever it was and i got very fortunate to have this opportunity um and it kind of fell into my lap a little bit which was awesome um but i didn't know many of the guys and actually a lot of our team is international so that was another thing like oh how am i going to fit in with the with these international kids from from europe sweden norway um so I was a little concerned about that, but I mean, we fit in, I fit in so well with these guys. Like we all like the same type of music, which I was like, was not expecting at all. <laughs> we, all love, we all love ping pong. Um, so that gets heated, but yeah, so I think that was, I got very lucky that, you know, everything gelled so well together this fall. That's that's awesome. It, it just, it just validates your decision to that you're in the right place that you're supposed to be. That's great. Right. Now, obviously, this is your senior year there. Now, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but you still have one more year after this if you want it to, or because you did, did you redshirt or, or COVID? Is that what happened? Did you get the fifth year or you graduate? Yeah, so I have the the option for a fifth year. I have that extra year of, uh, eligibility that everybody got back from, from COVID. COVID. Okay. Um, I, I thought I saw that. I thought I saw that. Yeah. Do you see that you... I mean, obviously, you know, looking down the road in a sense, like, do you see yourself staying for two more years? Well, I guess now one more year after this at Texas Tech. Yeah, I can see it for sure. I mean, I'm having so much fun here and, you know, the coaches and teammates I have. I mean, it's so much fun. Why would I not want to come back? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I still have to make that decision. You know, I think I have to make it by April. Um, so there's still some time just in case, you know, if I go out and win a few events and my ranking's good enough where I can turn pro or something, then that definitely uh, affects everything. But I mean, I would love to come back here for another year and, you know, have fun with these guys again. would be a blast. Is that the ultimate goal to go pro? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what I've been playing for uh, 20, 20, 21 years for. So uh, that's that's the end goal and hope hope it pans out. Put it that way. I don't know what I would do if I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, obviously for us, when we started this podcast, you know, the idea was build it around golfing in the Garden State. And we thought that, you know, New Jersey has so much good golf. Okay. It really does. Not only does it have phenomenal golf courses in all different types from the north to the south to the east to the west. It's like you want to play any certain type, you can go find it. Not only in a relatively short period of time, but in our own state, you're not going outside of it. And then on top of it, the amount of good players that are here is another thing that we felt like, man, you see it within the SGA, NJSGA, you see it in the gap, you see it in the Met, like you see it going around, but like nobody really talks about it or talks to people like yourself or other head professionals or um, superintendents that do such a good job. So like, you know, for us, when you got, when you think about, you know, the Garden State and you think about, obviously, someone like you has probably played so many different spots. You know, is there a favorite that you think about that now bias takes out Manus River? But, right. you know, what 
what other spots do you think uh, maybe from a public side that like the average guy like Ryan and I could go play to, if you're fortunate to be invited to go play that you drop everything and you just, you just go. And, and I will say this Pine Valley, I, I saw that that was your favorite course, but I think the, I think the idea that invitation to someone like us, that is not happening. So, so give me another track. <laughs> and I think that's everybody's fit. Like that's everybody's course. And, it, and Yeah. So get, take out that like 1% of the Pine Valley that we may ever get invited on there because clearly I'm dropping everything that day going. I don't care what I'm doing. Um, but give me, give me a public and a private that you say like, man, you got to go try. Do you have any? That's that's a loaded question. I mean, I, I could know. sit here and think about that for hours. Um, for, that's I mean, always I'll... the question we put people on the spot with, and they're like, "Dude, you couldn't just warn me about that one. You couldn't give me like, <laughs> let me think about it." But I was that. I, I don't understand how that happens. Like, we're talking golf in New Jersey. You got to think that that's like it's I, I amazing. Just, we I, don't even lead off with that question. And I, I guess my my thought behind it really is like. If I let you think about it, then it's like, all right, he's going to come up with like seven or spots. But like by putting it on the spot, to me, it becomes a more authentic answer. Like what sticks out? Like, bam, like, oh, yeah, dude, that's that's it. That's like I would say the first first private um, Baltusrol is top of my list. Both courses. That's that's Um, three for three. How many times have we talked to people that have said Baltusrol? It's crazy. place is incredible and it's i mean it's so much fun to play i'm i'm a huge fan of the upper i i know they just renovated the lower i don't know if it was a year or two years ago but i heard that's really good that's the difference everybody has told us if if you got to start time and you can drop everything like ball to stroll but the lower everybody says is the one you got to play right lower is it's really fun it's fun to play it's so hard because it's just like long par four after long par four. And um, I think the upper is a lot more fun because you get just, I mean, so many different holes, you get drywall par fours and you get, you know, the hill, the mountain plays a huge part of it. And you're playing like four footers, three feet out, just trying to like die it to the front edge. And it's <laughs> terrifying. You're over there and you're like, I'm just trying to two putt this. I'm trying to lag this one down there. <laughs> um, so I would say definitely ball to straw for, for private public. I think that, uh, I have three that came to my head. Blue Heron Pines. I know you you played there recently, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I did about two weeks ago. And I was I was floored with how nice it was. That place is is very sneaky and it's very good. And you know, I like playing that place. Charleston Springs was always good. And uh I don't know if I mean if the Greens are how I remember them, Howell. Howell Park is so much fun to play. And the greens were always great. I mean, playing the, the county tournament there in high school, unbelievable. Greens were always at like 11, perfect. Um, that was always one to look forward to. So I'd probably, I'd, out of the three, I'd probably say Charleston Springs is, was my favorite. Um, that I would, ahead, I would honestly ask love your to go question. Go ahead, ask your question. I, I got several follow-up questions to that, actually, Jack. But which of the Charlestons is your favorite, north or south? If I'm remembering it right... The south. The Charles. south is the one that's that has the more trees. The north is the linksier one. Then it's the south. Okay. But both of them, honestly. That's what I'm talking about. Awesome. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, south is the harder of the two. Yeah. I like that's the not south. the question though. The question is which one do you I like more? And I knew that you were purposely leaving that part out 
I knew you were. Who, me? A, yeah, you were. You're, <laughs> Ryan's a North guy. I like I I, Charleston I, North is my favorite course. Out of anywhere. I, I mean, at least out of the Monmouth County courses. Like, I, I like, for me, it's like North, Hominy, South, Howell. Like, that's my... That's my order of those course. I, the North course, I, I just, for whatever reason, that like link style golf just appeases to like my eye for some reason. I like, I like that so much. So that's why I like the North better. Understandable. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not a bad, not a bad choice at all. I mean, both courses are good. It's hard to, you know, go wrong with that. Yeah, that, yeah. that seems to be a very popular thing that people mention to us when we bring up spots and, and where the average guy can get on. And I think a lot has to do not only with the 36 holes, but they also have a phenomenal practice facility. It's not like a, a regular like 100-yard driving range. Like You can go practice your game there. You're hitting off grass at all times. Yeah, yeah. so that, there's no doubt. I think that facility in general is like – you know, the top of the line in terms of like public facilities of not only the courses itself, but you got a phenomenal putting green. You got the grass driving range. You got a chipping short game area. Like you kind of have the whole thing in terms of a public facility that doesn't require, you know, top dollar all the time. The huge putting green, the practice green is, you know, that is a big component of why it's so great. You have the two courses, but you have so much room where it doesn't get too crowded. Where if you go to maybe like a Howl or or somewhere like that, like your your ball your your ball is hitting people's feet and you know that that whole mess. But I mean, Charleston has some has some room. They got the the big uh, putting green. The like you were saying, the grass is huge, and then I feel like the pace of play has to be better. Having the thirty six holes, like. If, if one's busier than the other, you just go play the other and, you know, grab a cart and you go play. And it's like, not too bad. I've, I've always found that like, it gets, it gets more play than, than Hominy does, but it's not twice as much play. You know what I mean? And so they can divide it and it, it doesn't, it does, it's never as like, it's never as beat up. Whereas like you go play Hominy, like that 10th hole, everybody's, everybody's hitting drives to the same spot. So there's mm. like a 30 yard where like, if you play it late in the year, it's, it's a little chewed up uh, again. It, I don't want to make it seem like it's a dog track. It's still beautiful, but like it's, there's definitely like a, it, it's easier to upkeep Charleston because of those two for sure. Right. So Jack, um, the, like we were just talking about like turning pro and that being the ultimate goal and being on the horizon, but there's, there's so many people that have that goal. Uh, like my, I'm still trying to get to the NBA. Like that's still my ultimate goal, but my, uh, like, how does that, it's so close for you, you know, playing at such a top level, you know, of golf and collegiate golf and it being right at your fingertips. What is that? Does it feel any different that it, that it's not, it's definitely, and, and I would even say it hasn't been a dream for a while for you because you've been, uh, it, it's become more, not, not quite a full dream, like, you know, 10 years old, you're dreaming, but like 18 years old, number one player in New Jersey, going to play in the ACC, it's, it's more, you're not, you're in the ballpark, right? You're, you might be in the, in the bleachers, but you're, you're definitely in the ballpark. So as you've gotten closer, does that feel 
different or weirder or like what is that like as you're moving closer and checking off all these boxes of things how is that how has that felt or what's that process been like so it still feels a little like a dream in some situations like it's hard to believe like you're not that far off of playing with like Rory McIlroy and you know all those guys that still feels like a dream mm -hmm. but at the same time it's like I got one, maybe two steps left before, if everything goes well, you know, where I could be out there on the corn ferry or, you know, who knows what the PJ tour you and all that stuff, given tour cards, eventually I could be, you know, out there within a, a couple of years. And it's like, kind of seems more realistic and you kind of, you have to start planning for it right about now, just getting everything, you know, in shape so that when everything happens, you're not thrown off. So it's a little bit of both, honestly. Yeah. I can do, you totally ever, do you ever get that. a chance to talk to to a kid like um, Ryan McCormick? I know he was another kid that went through the short conference. He went to modern day, was a phenomenal golfer. I know his dad was a phenomenal, you know, pro in the state of New Jersey. You know, he's a guy that I see a lot. You know, you know, mixing it up on the Corn Ferry Tour. I have no idea, but like, is there is there any connection or communication with a guy like that? Uh, I've never spoken to Ryan. Actually, I don't know if we've ever. We may have met, you know, a little while ago, but um, not that I know of. I haven't spoken to him, but lucky enough to have, you know, a few other guys that I've been in the process with. And that's why coming to Texas Tech, we we currently have the number two ranked amateur in the world. And he's a senior this year and he's, you know, he'll be on the PJ Tour next year, maybe. So, you know, seeing guys like that. And I had a teammate at South Carolina who, who's, you know, who just money qualified into the PJ tour event this week. And I saw his process and, you know, being around those, these guys is, you know, incredible because they, they can teach so much and you get to learn, I mean, playing practice rounds, you get to see exactly how they handle it and they handle it like tour pros. And it's that, that's the difference is how they handle their, their business and stuff, you know, especially with all the spotlight they get um, being able to kind of like, step back from it get their work in but also you know shake the shake the hands and do all that stuff it's pretty cool to watch and it's like i'm just learning it's just the whole learning process which is really cool so when you say like their preparation for a tournament right and we talk about like you know you're trying to get yourself ready for you know like if you're on the tour you're like you're prepping all week for thursday and you know, I know in college, like, I don't know if you guys are still Friday, Saturdays, um, or if it is a Saturday, Sunday event, like, like when you see the preparation of these guys that are, you know, at your level, and then they're looking to get to the next level, like what types of preparation is, or are they doing that differs for a guy like you or your, your teammate who's number two in the world? Like what, what, what are you guys doing differently than, you know, Ryan or I, who are just going to the range and bagging balls 15 minutes before we play? Like what's preparation like? There's there's definitely a purpose to it. Um, like there nobody's out there to to just hit balls or, you know, maybe sometimes it's technique related where where you'll sit on a range for a while and and work on that type of stuff. But when it comes to you know getting mentally prepared for a golf tournament, these guys have just I mean, they have a the handle on you know what they have to do when it comes to you know chipping around the greens, knowing what spots are good. And that's, I mean, that's the key is where do you miss it? What's the best miss and how do I, you know, avoid making a double or a bogey? Um, so that's what I've seen a lot of is just, you know, 
preparing for not just the best situation because anybody can you know get on the green and drop a couple balls and oh this is where I want to putt from come you know first second third round but it's it's the guys like who are preparing for any type situation and then they're mentally ready you know to go to to go win a tournament is is the difference so what are you working on uh right now like in 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 a little self-evaluation like what's the what um what's the best part of your game and and what's something that you're working on right now in this like preparation process and and how are you working on it so my game over the last i would say year year or two years has kind of taken a you know a whole different turn you know it's like a complete 180 like i used to my short game wasn't wasn't that great you know i was a really good ball striker hit the hit a lot of fairways hit really good iron shots but over the last year, it's been, you know, chipping around the green short game um, that and that's what holds your rounds together. If you can, you know, if you hit it well and you can get it on the green, you make a lot of birdies. But if you're not playing well, you can, you know, hold your own when you can chip it to five feet and make those putts. I would say is the biggest, the biggest difference over the last year or two. And it's been the best part. So that's it's good to see that coming around. Is that is that something that you always felt like you could get away with? maybe back in high school where, um, you know, in New Jersey, we're not like, like I imagine a state like South Carolina, Texas, like those high school kids, like I'm sure they have more, more teams full of, of Jack walls than they do of the, you know, the fifth guy on, on a team that's not very good. What uh, do you feel like you were able to get away with just pounding driver and then hitting it on the green and then just, kind of taking your two putt if you didn't hit it close and and is that something like that you felt like needed to grow yeah I was definitely able to get away with it in high school for sure uh New Jersey high school too you I mean a lot of the it's just a one round shootout pretty much um so a lot of the times you're just like you know I'm just going at pins see how many birdies you can make um and then when I got to college that's when I started seeing you got to be smarter. You got to be, you know, aiming at the the wide side of the green. You got to be prepared to, you know, where am I going to miss it? Um, so that plays a huge part of it. And watching all these kids, you know, over the last few years, they they get that. And that was New Jersey. It was just shoot out, like, go fire pins, par fives, try to make eight birdies around. If you make a bogey or two, it's fine. <laughs> but. Is, is that something, like, if you were to give advice to a high school golfer now, like based on what you've what you've learned and how your games improved, is that is that the number one thing? And and if it's not, what would you what's the thing that you would give to a high school golfer who's a competitive golfer? You know, not not someone who's yeah. not looking to play in college, someone who's looking to play at some level. Yeah, definitely being smart with, you know, don't be challenging pins that, you know, that you really can't get to. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with pars. Pars are great. Pars go a very long way. And uh, and it, it also just helps, you know, if you're not having a great day or if you're not feeling confident with your swing, you can still shoot reasonable numbers, um, which is a huge part of golf. And, you know, it's really what are your what are you shooting when your game's off? Because you're not your game's never going to be on all the time. Um, so it's how how you manage your game when you're struggling and how to put up decent scores when you're not doing something great is a huge part of it. So I'd say that is probably one of the biggest things uh, I would say. 
Yeah, and I and I and I would probably echo that because I think, you know, even for someone like you who's who's in a sense right still out of high school, you know, you know, three four years, but I think that's still the mindset now with kids. It's like I'm just gonna bomb it and I'll figure it out. And when they don't have their A game in high school, they are they're not as fortunate, you know, like as or as good of a player as you were, where you can still fire 70, 71 and not hit it well. You know, I still bomb the ball. These guys now, when they decide I'm going to bomb the ball, you know, they're shooting 72 or 82. Like the gap is so big for them. Right. And I, and I can't emphasize that enough. Like if you have a short game and you can play inside of 50 yards, like you don't realize how many strokes you'll save just in something like that, because you're not hitting, you know, 14 fairways. So you're going to be chipping out once or twice and you're going to be banging a shot down there finding ways to just still manage a score without throwing in that double or triple that we all know that not only kills your score, but like kills your mindset too. Cause now you're already like, where am I making up birdies? Where am I going to get shots back? And now you're over aggressive. So there's no doubt. I, I can't emphasize that enough with, you know, the importance of like how good a short game goes in terms of, of being able to constantly play golf. Yeah. That was something I saw my uh, my sophomore year. I was really struggling with my short game. Anything inside of like seventy yards, I was like almost terrified. I was like, I don't want it. <laughs> and and then it starts to bleed into every other part because you just put pressure on. Like, all right, I gotta hit the fairway and I gotta hit this thing to ten feet. And if I don't, then good luck. Like I'm I'm making five or six. Um. So that was really tough to you know tough to play with because it, it just bleeds into every part and then all of a sudden you just everything's off um so having a short if you have a short game honestly it just frees up the rest of your game because you're like if i hit a bad tee shot you know if i just get it back and play there's a good chance i make par and if i don't it's a bogey but i mean i can make up a bogey it's it's really hard to make up doubles and triples i know that from experience and a lot of other people do too i think that, that's that's like my going thing when even when i've been playing with ryan lately i'm like dude, I don't care what we do. Like we can't make doubles. Like we can throw in a birdie or two to get those bogeys back. But I swear, once you make the double, it yeah. is so like gut wrenching that it's like, you feel like you've been knocked out, especially when you care so much. Right. So, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, all right, Rye, that's, that's, that's a theme. Do you hear that? Yeah. Jack said it himself. <laughs> I mean, this Doubles is the thing. I, I tell everybody, manage the course. You know, don't fire at pins that you shouldn't be firing at. I, I love the person who's like, who, who's a 12 index. That's like, you know, I'm going to try to bend this around the tree. Just hit it straight. <laughs> you have nothing but fairway open. Don't try to like draw, like put a baby cut on it or anything. Just, just hit the straight ball. Don't go at the pin. Like learning how to play the course, I think is something that as you get older, is is something that is is learned because you just have to do it over and over again and you you know what i'm not going to go at that pin that's tucked in behind the bunker i'm going to put it right at the fat part and then take my two putt and now i got to put a good lag putt up there so i can tap in for par instead of going at it and then now you now you're long you're short you know you maybe you did something else to it you're in a bunker somewhere as opposed to just Hit it on the green. Like that's the, the Will Zalatoris thing from the uh from the um Masters a few years ago where he, he was he didn't aim at one pin. He took the center of the green every time. And that's yeah. like the like again, I think that's playing the course. And I I don't think 
I think the older you get, the more you understand that. And, and going back to being in high school, I think high school kids don't necessarily know how to do that. Um, and it's something that, that you learn, obviously, as you get older. And again, I, I say that I can't do it, but I, I say it. <laughs> easier said than done. For sure. You're still trying to bend it around the tree. You know, after you just told everybody, don't bend it around the tree, you're trying to bend it around the tree. Well, when you're constantly in the trees, you got to make up somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jack, before we wrap this up, because obviously I don't want to, Ryan and I, like we tell every single person, you're like probably, you know, probably maybe like our third or fourth, fifth guest. I don't even know at this point, but we always feel like we can just talk and ramble forever. Um, and we don't want to keep you here all night, but. When it comes to the, I, you know, Ryan always has a great ending question that we ask everybody, but before I let him ask you that, the career Grand Slam in high school that you won, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was not done in the same year, or was Mine? it? Mine? Yes. That was, yeah, that was all my junior year. Okay, so so when I read the stat that you're the second golfer to ever do that, Trivia for you. Do you know who the first one was? I know. I know it was Corey. Oh, you do? Yeah. How did you know that? I, I forget. I, mean, I think maybe Chris had, had said or somebody, maybe it was one of my brothers, but I definitely heard it um, before. I knew it because that was always like, that was always the thing. That was the one stat where everybody talked about it. So everybody, you know, Corey's name always was thrown around. And I mean, very impressive to do it. And like, that was one of my goals was like, I, I want to add my name to that list. So yeah, I, I knew who it was and you know. So it's, it's funny you say that because our first guest was Corey. Right. And we didn't know that anybody else had that. Mm-hmm. So Corey brought up and said, he's like, you know, I was, he goes, I'm pretty sure that no one else has done it. And we didn't know if anybody else did it. So I did some research and found out that you did it, but I wasn't, I was like, God, was that all the same year? Or was it not that he said, he's like, well, no one can ever break that record. At least, you know, it's always going to be mine and I'll share it with somebody if need be, but right. I'll have to text Corey when I get done this and say, listen, by the way, it's, you know, you have to that share means. that record. <laughs> um, because I, I, I wasn't sure if that was you in the same year or you had checked those boxes at, but again, another unreal, unreal accomplishment. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was my, my junior year. I won, won all of those. And then I almost had back to back years of it. Which one did you miss senior year? I want to say it was short conference. You did. And I, you know what? Do I remember? I lost to Brendan. I was going to say you lost to Brendan. Yep. Yep. I'll never, he, it was, it was the third hole. In the playoff. In the playoff. Yep. Yeah. From from what I remember, I remember it was either the third or fourth. I remember on a par three, maybe it was like twelfth hole at at Charleston, and I remember I think I made like a five or six footer to keep it going, and uh, and then we got to the next hole. I ended up hitting a really good chip and then missed like a two or three footer, and it was you know it was gut wrenching, but. At the end of the day, I mean, CBA, we had won, and that was all that mattered. And, you know, Brendan still probably will give me crap if I bring it up, which isn't great. I mean, I'm probably going to – I, I so remember that. All right. So there you go. I'll have to text Corey after this. But, yeah. Ryan, why don't you throw him 
Yeah. Uh, that, which I think is a great ending question. So, so Jack, two things. Uh, first, whenever you now say, people ask you like, oh, did you know that it was Corey? And you say, no, I didn't. But because I listened to the Drop podcast, they had Corey on and talk about it. So that's your new answer for that, just so you know. Right, perfect. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll memorize that one. <laughs> um, Jack, golfers are, are fairly quirky people. I think by nature, you know, we have our, our odd superstitions and, um, you know, tees in a pocket and a ball has got to have a mark at a certain spot, you know, those kind of things. What uh, What's your golf superstition or golf oddity or something that that's uh that you have that all of us have uh but but we're all afraid to share it share it with us so i have i have a couple um and it doesn't it changes from event to event but um like if i if the first day of a tournament if i play well i have to continue to do the same thing the following days so whatever, if I eat Chipotle after the first round or before the first round, like I'm eating Chipotle for the next. That's just that's just always how it is. And then on course, I always mark it with like a quarter or any type of coin where I there's a heads a heads and a tails um, side, and I always mark the ball heads up facing towards the hole. Is something that I always do no matter what. Interesting. That's a good one. And the reason behind that is what? I, it was a little bit my dad, because I used to just mark it, you know, anyway. And for some reason, I feel like he brought up like Tiger and uh, Steve Scott, I think was the guy's name, when Tiger won the US Am. And he had marked his ball and moved his coin. And um, Steve Scott reminded Tiger to move it back. And if he didn't, like the match would have been over or something like that. Um and Tiger won because of that. I'm pretty sure yeah, that he did. helped. He did. Um, so my dad was like, he kind of just he was he gave me the idea like, hey, you should always mark it one way because if if you mark it every single time like that and it's not like that, you know something like you have to move it back or. Um, so I I bought into that and I started doing it. Now it's something that I have to do every time and it has to be perfectly facing towards the hole. If it's crooked at all, I, I like lose my mind. <laughs> so that's my one thing. Okay. I like that. I yeah. like that. And if you ever move it, you always flip it to the tails. And that way, when you look down, you always remember. So okay. oh, yeah, maybe, that's right. maybe cool. we need to try that. Maybe we'll yeah. hold some more pots. That's, I mean, I'll take whatever I can get. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Jack, listen, I, you know, I appreciate you coming on. I, I really do. And, you know, a college kid on a Saturday night in Lubbock, Texas, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like I, I, I mean, I, I appreciate you coming on, and you know, this for us, it's it's this journey that we're on, just trying to talk golf in the Garden State, and, and getting people like yourself on that, you know, not only you know do you have a phenomenal background, but you have a phenomenal future as well. And you know, when people talk, you know, high school golf, especially in our area in the Shore Conference, you know, your name is always one that constantly comes up as in terms of one of like one of the best. Um, so to have you on here this early for us is, is a huge, you know, we're beyond appreciative of that. So I just want to make sure that you hear it directly from us. Like, like, thank you. And, you know, obviously the best of the luck come, come the spring. And if you're ever around and you want to tee it up, you know, we're, we're good for like 85, 95. So. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly Jack. Yeah. Thank you so much.
love, love what you guys are doing. And I mean, nothing beats talking, talking golf in the garden state. I, that that's something I'll always, you know, be thankful for is, is New Jersey golf. So I'm always down for a chat about it, but uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. No problem, pal. Thank you. Awesome. Appreciate Sounds it. Talk good. to you soon, man. Sounds good. Thanks guys. See ya. See you, Jack. Thank you.